look anything like what she does at the beginning of the game. No, not at all. She didn't have any burritos when she was on a steak. Bro. <laughs> I know, right? She didn't need any fucking bulk burritos from Manny. I totally could take a burrito right now. Oh my god, me too. Steak burrito uh, from uh, Burrito Boys. From Burrito Boys, yeah, yeah, so good. All right, Friday, we'll do it on Friday for Ghost of you Tsushima. Know? Oh, is Ghost of Tsushima this Friday? Down. Yeah, Tsushima and burritos. Chiritos on Friday, are coming, bro. Are you, com- <laughs> are you coming over on Friday? Well, no, I'm going to play Ghost of Tsushima, but I'll drop a burrito off to you. Oh, dude, you're the sweetest, bro. I can grab my own burrito if I wanted to, man. That's You're so kind, yeah, man. Stay home, man. I'll bring one to you. It's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's so good. I'll, I'll, just go, the, uh... I'll just go fuck myself, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man. She, like... Ortega and I have developed a really strong relationship these past couple weeks. Really, that's have. fine. That's okay. You're more than welcome to. I'm just fucking with you, buddy. Let Ortega drop Gabby, into the war zone with you and see what happens. Into the Gabby war zone. Gabby doesn't. Right? Gabby doesn't speak for me. Therefore, our relationship has flourished. Okay, man. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Welcome, welcome back, dudes. How's everybody doing? Terrible. Thanks for having me here today, as usual. Dude, every anytime you want to be on, even if it's the middle of the night and you just want to talk, just <laughs> yeah. I'll turn Zencaster on. We can go. Sounds good. No, but yeah, I've been good, man. Pretty good That's week awesome. this past week. So, looking forward to my vacation next week. I'm going on vacation. vacation next week. Yeah, I'm going to be in uh, Tremblant next week. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, buddy, with the whole fam, even the in-laws are coming coming with us. Are you nervous at all or no? Not really, no. Cool, man. Things do feel like they've really settled down. Like, I know that there's still some precautions we should be taking, but it does feel a lot more, like, tame. I think it's yeah. just because we're letting it be tame. Like, I mean, the cases have gone down for sure. Like, it's at 168 reported or whatever. But... And that's just, like, mainly in, in two areas, in Toronto and Windsor, from what I understand. So there's not a lot of, like... It's not being spread around the way that what the way that it was before, where like every region was being hit by it. Yeah, I think it's just we're gonna have to brace for when uh, the border reopens. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Which I don't think will be for a while. So but I think what's be okay. what's the Quebec numbers at? They're reporting less than us now, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Uh, I can double check after. We can t- yeah. we can t- we can do we can a COVID cast offline. later. Yeah, let's yeah, do, we'll do this. COVID is welcome later. to the COVID cast, guys. Um, so two hundred and twenty-two cases as of July eleventh. They so they're still more than us, but that's it's still manageable. Yeah, cool. it's, it's weird. Like- they reported five thousand in Tremblant, though. <laughs> oh, did he? Specifically at the Fairmont, they <laughs> reported <laughs> it. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's sick, dude. No, they've never had five thousand visitors ever, and then this last weekend, five thousand all COVID. Specifically in their jacuzzi, for some reason, has Speak, a high rate of. Uh, speaking of uh, hotels, I read an interesting fact today. Quick sidebar: uh, they said that if you were to stay in every single room one night in Walt Disney World, you would have ha- it would take you sixty-eight years to sleep in every single hotel room in Disney World. For one night each room. That's wild. That's so insane. <laughs> you know what's wild? They I'm still wouldn't be able train. to fit all of the COVID cases into the hotels at Disney World in Florida. Nope. That's what's crazy. Anyways, COVID they're trying. Time. I was watching a video of somebody that went to, to Disney uh, yesterday and had like it might have been two days ago, but definitely over the weekend, over the course of the last week. And she had all the symptoms of COVID mm-hmm. and they just released her again into the park. That's nice. She was like vomiting and like had like like shortness of breath and was like coughing and stuff like that. And they're wearing masks and they're walking out and they're just like, yeah, she's fine. She had an allergic reaction to like something. And they're like they're live streaming because they I guess they stream their 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 um their visit to the park and they're like walking by people and being like yeah like she was super sick yesterday and you just see this guy in the background like his head whips around as he's wearing a mask and he's like what the fuck did she just say um wild my point is is that it's fucked <laughs> and that yeah. nobody should be at disney right now nobody even should. though we should have been yeah. at disney right now do not be in florida right now it's dude they're like at 15,000 cases daily oh, it's insane yeah. it's crazy. insane it's insane. I think what makes me sad is that we were supposed to be at Disney this week, Shane. 
yeah. not in Florida, but Disney in California. And, really? Uh, building that was our the own. plan for the two of you? Yeah. See, well, Daniel and me already have a pre-existing, very strong relationship. We're not just building it during the quarantine. Oh, so... okay. Wow, this guy's shooting his <laughs> shot right now. I'm not going to listen to Hamilton right now, bro. <laughs> yeah, but hang on. I can, spin, I can spin this back in your favor. I was oh, actually going to wow. bring you a kyber. I was going to bring you a kyber crystal back from uh, from Disney. That, oh, that so is sweet. that sounds so cool, man. Like, yeah. wow. Dude, we have a fucking geeky podcast, and all of us love dorky shit. Why is that? Why is that too much? You, I don't even know what a Koba crystal is. It's what's used to make a lightsaber. Yeah, First that's... of all, Koba was the villain in the second Planet of the Apes movie, and he died. Second of all, yeah, what Gabby said. Wow, there you go. Oh, speaking of Star Wars, on a side note, did you see they announced a new animated series coming to Disney yeah. Plus? Yeah, I'm pretty stoked about that. They they were talking about it. Um, while the seventh season of Clone Wars was on, because they're the first arc of the seventh season dealt with with those guys with the mm-hmm. uh, the bad bitches, as I call them, the bad batch, the bad batch. Um, yeah, but uh, they they announced that they were going to like explore those characters a little bit more, and I guess this is their first foray into exploring them more. So I'm excited. I really like the seventh season of the Clone Wars, not necessarily because of those three, but um, sorry, because of that three episode arc. I actually thought that was the weakest part of the season, but um, but yeah, I mean, going back into that universe and just exploring the clones a little bit more, I think will be pretty exciting. So good for them. They need some more Star Wars content. I feel like it's run pretty dry and Disney plus doesn't really have anything going for it right now other than Hamilton and I guess Mandalorian and the fall again, but there's really not a lot mm-hmm. going on in between. I guess that'll be a good segue uh, in terms of like, I guess what's coming down the pipeline for the summer in terms of events. Um, I guess with COVID and all that stuff happening, I'm not sure. Did Disney say if they were planning to do like a, I forget what they call their thing. D23. Isn't it usually in August? Yeah, it was supposed to be in Anaheim this year. So I'm sure we'll get some sort of like digital um, representation or like some sort of digital like rollout, especially because as far as I know, um, there is some Comic-Con stuff going on online, but uh, I don't think Marvel has a panel, which seems to happen in the years where there's a D23 and they kind of choose to do it themselves via, um, via Disney, Disney's festival. So we'll see. I don't really have a lot to anticipate. I think their big year was kind of last year where they announced, um, what the next couple of, uh, years of, of phase four is going to look like. So I don't really anticipate much, um, from Disney and those guys, but it'd be pretty exciting to see what's on, what's on the horizon. If we do get anything from them, I'd like to see another look at blade. Because they're coming out with a Blade series, right? With mm-hmm. uh, Mahersha Ali. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Right? yeah. Mahersha yeah. Ali. And um, yeah, I'm excited for that. I think I'm going to pitch this to Disney and they can have it for free. And they should call it the <laughs> Double so D23. The Digital Disney 23. Double D23? Yeah. Digital Disney. That's what it yeah. stands for? Yeah. I like it. I like right? it. Yeah, it's they, good. They can have it. <laughs> they can have it. <laughs> Here's a here's a pitch I'll from our softball from, underhand pitch that to them. They can have Yeah. It. Here's a here's a pitch from the Slice podcast featuring Shane Double D twenty three. Double D twenty three out of the park. Knocked out of the park. Oh um, yeah, bud. Lock that in. It's pretty uh I mean, all things considered, like we're hitting the middle of the summer right now, as much as COVID is still kind of in full effect in certain places. Um mm-hmm. it's pretty exciting to see like things happening now and not the world's not entirely at a standstill, even though there's parts of the world that are still at a standstill, but like between everything that we just talked about with like the festivals and and digital events and stuff like that. And, you know, what we've seen from, um, uh, like Sony and, and, and some game developers and some movies that have released on, on digital platforms, Hamilton, like it really feels like things are starting to pick up again, which is kind of nice. Um, but I think it's, it's like, I don't know. It hasn't really dawned on me, but we're getting baseball this week. We're getting hockey in a couple weeks. Basketball is going to be back by the end of the month. So, like, there's actually a lot to look forward to and some exciting stuff to 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 you know to actually do in the next couple of weeks. I can't believe we've gone four months without sports. It just feels so empty. Did you hear um, Westbrook COVID positive? Yeah, and James Harden. Yeah. Both of them. 
Both of them are on the Houston Rockets. For our listeners that don't know that. That which is crazy. Like I mean, we say we're getting sports, we're getting these things, but we're getting like the watered down effect of it. And like it kinda has that same sort of effect where you go through the winter. Like they say statistically, if you want to attract people and you want to be like sexy, you post bathing suit pictures in the winter because people don't see skin as much because everyone wears long sleeves and stuff like that. So you have like a, you have like a buff on top of like your attractiveness. So like if you're like a four, it'll bring you to like a four point two or whatever the deal is. You know, like it'll bump you up a little bit. I wonder okay. if it's going to be the the same thing with sports. We just have been so sports deprived that no matter the quality that we see, it's just going to be like, oh, this is this is so exciting. This is so intense. This is so amazing. I wonder if we're going to get that same sort of like Christmas cock tease sort of vibe I would, from it. I would say probably. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts in terms of basketball returning and stuff like that. And the people are fully anticipating like the first couple of weeks or maybe even more to be some really sloppy basketball. So, Right, because like nothing has happen like this before. Where you you just take a pause in the middle of the season, yeah, like in the middle you, of the season, and you have a second like uh, what's it called? I guess training camp before you continue again. Right, it's generally the beginning of the season is when everyone is trying to get their feet wet. So it's it's definitely going to be bizarre. But I think you're I think you're right when you say we're just so deprived of watching sports that no matter what quality of sports we're gonna get. And as well, at the same time, no fans and or whatever. We're just going to be so over the moon and joyous about it because we haven't seen anything re- like new in so long. You can only watch so much highlights or just the last dance if you want to watch that over and over. Or you know what I mean. So uh-huh. I'm excited. I'm excited. I know we talked about this on previous podcast. Like we didn't think I, I didn't think it was going to happen, but. It's happening, man. It's happening. The MLS started, I believe they they started already. Yeah, but they started on July 10th. Didn't they get fucked though? Like, didn't Toronto have a bunch of uh, people? They play play today. I don't know. So I thought Toronto FC had a bunch of COVID cases on the the thing. I read a headline like that. Yeah, they had a game today. They played today. Uh, Did they win? It's rescheduled. No, they didn't play yesterday. Oh, today's Monday. Yeah. Coronavirus forces cancellation of Toronto FC versus uh, match at MLS tournament yesterday, which they po- postponed to today. Yeah, they played today. Two-two was the final. I oh. think one thing to like really think about is that like even though we're getting like the 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 framework of what a continued season will look like, there is a very real chance that the season is still cut short again, and that they need to go into. Um, some sort of like quarantine period or not allow the fin- the season to finish. So like as much as we're optimistic and stuff like that, um, I still think that there's a very good chance, especially with like, ba- I mean, I-, I would think basketball probably has it the worst um, just being in Florida. I know that they're kind of in their bubble right now, but that state seems to have like the least control on the situation. So I think there's an inherent risk that like between baseball and basketball um, that, that the season may stop at, at some point again. And, 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 you know, especially with, I think maybe more so with baseball, but you have a bigger roster. You have um, a lot more players that are going to be traveling from city to city. There's no real hub or bubble in the way that there is in the NHL and and the NBA. Um, I think the NHL probably has the best chance of finishing the season, given that they're in two cities that for the most part have things under control um, and won't be doing any kind of traveling and stuff like that. So I, I think realistically the NHL finishes, but I am very, very, very tentative about, baseball finishing the season even though it's only 60 games and i think basketball there's a potential that things could go awry if if the situation continues to get worse in in, um in florida so it'll be interesting to see i think we'll find out obviously soon and and games are less than two weeks away i think right now for 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 all sports really so um it'll be exciting but but it's definitely going to feel a little bit strange to be watching live sports again i will say though like considering we started um, one of our isolation podcasts with like uh, talking about the last dance and just like the, the anticipation of, of, of watching sports um, in a more like documentary style capacity. There's been a lot of great like sport content that I've watched over the course of the last couple months. So like the, the last dance is definitely one of them, but Shane and I got a chance to watch um, 
Junior, which was super, super exciting to watch. And then Long Gone, Long Gone Summer came out. Um, there's been some other stuff that's been on ESPN Plus and on a couple of different platforms that have been really exciting to watch. So like, it's been kind of nice and reflective to think about almost like with the rose colored, uh, like shade or rose tinted shades to just be able to like, to just be nostalgic about sports without having them actively a part of our lives for such a period of time. But I think it's also built to the anticipation of having them back is like, I can't wait to have those moments that we saw in, in, um, you know, last dance and those, those big playoff moments. And then, you know, it's lesser to lesser. So, uh, in in junior, which covered his whole career, but like it, it still made for some pretty ex- exciting moments. So I'm pretty excited to have things back, um, like soon. And and I think that there's been a good amount of content to kind of hold us over sports wise and even gaming wise to 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 just kind of bridge the the four month gap that we've had. I think, um, like for me, I've I like you said, I've been watching a lot of. I would describe myself as a casual sports fan, like almost to like leisurely. Um, But I've been watching a lot of like sports documentaries and storytelling and stuff like that. Like I think I've watched like six or seven 30 for thirties and so on and so forth. And like all that's done is made me like really excited to invest in, in time in this MLB season. I'm really excited for, um, but like so much so that I watched UFC the other night on fight Island I watched the whole card from start to finish until two o'clock in the morning because I was that starved for like, I want to see some sort of sporting event, but also I thought it was important for the culture, like the sporting culture, like the fact that UFC went out, sought after an Island in Abu Dhabi, Dubai or in Dubai. Was it in Dubai? It was in the UAE somewhere. I can't remember where it is, but it was he secured an island and then held the fights there because he couldn't hold them in the the United States. And like that, to me, is like was really wild to see. But UFC does kind of it, it does falter without the fans. It's kind of a, a bummer, but it was pretty good. I mean, there was some robbery. The refing was not necessarily great, like the scoring from the judges, but I'm not necessarily a, a MMA expert, so I can't really comment more on it. Fun fact for you, I, since you brought up the whole uh, no fans at the UFC events, I was listening to uh, a podcast where they were – like it's actually a basketball podcast, but they were interviewing someone on it who generally covers UFC events but now dabbles in covering basketball. And – he actually made a really interesting point where the commentators that were at the game or at the guess at the fight, I don't know what event it was, but essentially they were making comments on the actual fight. Like the, just, the like, fighters were responding to them. Yeah. Which I found really interesting and cool that there was that aspect of now because, because they can hear what's surrounding them. So this person altered, like, I guess the way they were fighting and actually eventually won the match because of it. So there's some, I guess, pros and cons to no fans, but it was, it was interesting to, to hear that for sure. Yeah. Like in between the breaks when they would be talking, um, you know, I think it was Max Holloway was telling well, one of the announcers to like be quiet because he was giving away like his strategy that he was using. Oh, so he really? kept telling him to like be quiet. Yeah, and then yeah. Max Holloway ended up losing anyways. Yeah, I think he got robbed. But again, I'm not an expert on UFC. <laughs> That's cool. crazy. I didn't really think about that. But yeah, I guess for for an intimate setting like uh like like uh, MMA, then then that makes all the world of difference if you're just kind of giving away stuff, right? I mean, yeah. there's nothing more intimate than two guys grappling each other, so it is an intimate <laughs> venue. That is true. Super intimate. Um, yeah, I mean, lots of stuff, lots of sports coming up in the sports. next little bit. Sports. So, the other thing is like also on the note of things that are kind of postponed and are making a comeback. I'm pretty excited about uh, like we talked about it a little bit earlier, but Comic-Con is, is going to kind of exist in a, in an online capacity over the course of the next week. And I'm not so much excited for like panels and stuff like that as I am about like, um, like booths and stuff that, that are going to be online. So Shane and I have kind of talked about this, you know, being, being people that collect prints and, and posters and stuff like that. I'm usually, Comic-Con is a, is a, is a pretty good time to be able to get, um, some great art from a lot of great artists. So 
Mondo bottleneck gallery. I think GMA is even doing it as well, but they're, they're hosting these kind of like week long, um, comic con ish events where they're, I guess they're releasing prints or, 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 um, releasing a, a ton of content that are, that, that were meant to be at comic con, but are going to get an online release instead. So hopefully greater quantities available to, to more people, which is pretty exciting. So that's coming up next week. Um, I know bottleneck galleries are already kind of doing their thing this week. So there's some great stuff coming from Matt Ferguson, Chris Thornley of raid 71. So there's a lot of cool stuff to just look forward to. Um, just, I think day by day, we're, we're just seeing a lot of, of content and a lot of stuff just, uh, just appearing online. So that's pretty exciting. And then, Obviously, we've got the gaming stuff that's going on. Uh, uh, Summer Games Fest has been ongoing. We had another event yesterday <coughs> from Ubisoft, which generally have an E3 event. Um, did you guys get a chance to watch it? No, I was at work. Yeah, you didn't miss anything. Um, yeah, I, I was able to watch it. Did they, did they <laughs> announce? At work. Did they announce Steep for Switch? No, man. No, then fuck that. It's, it's a dead dream. Dude. <laughs> Yeah, overall, that was EA, I, agree. Wasn't I, don't, it? I, I don't think. Uh, no, Ubisoft. No. Oh. Yeah. Go ahead, Gabby. It was uh, not very good, I would say. I don't know. There was no real standouts, nothing really new. A lot of more like questions, like, where is this game that you announced like fucking years ago? And then at the end, they said that there's going to be another Ubisoft forward, so. Hopefully the next one, I guess. I, I really don't know. Far like I guess the standout for me was Far Cry Six. Um, the the trailer that they showed was really like captivating. I was really in, interested in in it. It was really cool to see. I, I guess it was John Carlo John Carlos that's his name. Espira. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Espira. Yeah, seeing him in a video game form. He's got a face, man. That guy can be, he, he has a villain's face for sure. So he does. <laughs> yeah. He like totally does. Right. Um, he's so good so, though. Yeah. Like he just, I, I think the one thing, yeah, I mean, overall the event wasn't great. Um, it just in terms of like what was revealed, really what it broke down to Shane was they, they talked about their new free for free for all, battle, um, Royale. battle Royale game. High, what's it called? High, Hyperscape. high something. Hyperscape. Hyperscape. That's it. I was almost going to say Highlander. Um, I love Highlander. There was there was that reveal, and then everything else was kind of stuff that we either knew about or has been pushed back, and we got to see again. So we saw some gameplay footage of um, Watch Dogs Legion, which looks... I mean, the jury's kind of out on it. I think Gabby pretty much nailed it on the head in terms of it not having um, a real identity amongst the other Ubisoft franchises that have been really successful for the last couple of years. Um, but it does look like it's starting to get to that point where I think they're, they're, they're finding its groove in the way that, uh, that it, um, it, it, I don't know, it's just kind of embracing its sensationalism. I, I compared it to, to Saints Row, but I think it's more so like a, like a just cause, um, in just like, you know, I don't think it's ever going to be able to compete with the big open world games like, like GTA and stuff like that. And even the division to a certain extent, but I think if it finds kind of its niche, um, audience and, and, and a way of, of being able to fill a void, uh, I think it can be a lot of fun. So I was watching Jeff Keighley play a little bit or just kind of talk about his experience with the game. And it sounds like he he's cautiously optimistic about a lot of Watch Dogs Legion. Um, but there's definitely that sense that it doesn't have the same identity as some of the other Ubisoft games. So that was, that was kind of what they led off with. And then they jumped into Assassin's Creed um, Valhalla, which looked pretty good i guess like it doesn't really look as assassin's creedy as um as i guess really any of the games that i remember playing in that franchise gabby you probably have more experience having played odyssey and and, and um and dabbling and dabbling in that a little bit but it it looks like a far a far cry away from no pun intended it looks like a far cry away from um <laughs> from from all of the early assassin's creed games um but it looked good like i, I was pretty impressed with you know just kind of the the uh the environments and some of the really, really cool, um, like just level design that I saw in the trailer. So it ranged from being in villages and taking over like these, these strongholds to being in like the, the forest and, and these really, really luscious green and colorful areas. So I'm pretty excited. I think the Assassin's Creed franchise has done a lot to, to make up for some of its, um, of its blunders, I guess, between three and, and, uh, origins, but it, 
I mean, it is what it is. We just kind of knew that it was coming, which makes it a little bit less inherently less exciting. And then their big reveal, obviously, was uh, was Far Cry at the end, which I got um, leaked the, like the day before. Yeah, and the date was already out, and there was already like like uh, a ton of different photos of like what the box art was going to look like. So it wasn't. I don't know. Yeah. I think these games, you know, these events kind of have the 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 wind taken out of their sails if there's any big leaks like that, especially when you don't have a lot of new to show off. And then the one thing that you know would really get people to to an excited point is uh, is spoiled a day early. So I think it would have hit a little bit harder. But even with that, like there's a lot of stuff that people are asking questions about seeing, you know, Beyond Good and Evil 2 mm-hmm. um, and a lot of other Ubisoft franchises, Splinter Cell. Uh, people were anticipating seeing a new Rainbow, Sie- uh, Rainbow Six Siege expansion or, or some sort of like next level of what that game was going to look like. We didn't get that. So they did commit that they were going to support it for 10 years and that there's no sequel planned in the future, which is great. But um, but we didn't really see anything all that new. So underwhelming overall, Gabby, I think you probably agree with that, that it was just kind of it was there and it just reinforced what we already knew was coming. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess it's. More or less, oh, I don't know. I like if I had known. Well, I guess that what I want to say is, if there wasn't another UB forward, then it'd be like really fucking poor on Ubisoft's side. But if they show, I guess, the games that we want to see in the next one, I guess they'll be all right. Like, I mean, it's not make or break, but it was just underwhelming overall for sure. I thought we were gonna see like a new Splinter Cell. They showed that like animated cell shaded thing with Sam Fisher in it. And yeah, that was other... a mobile game. Yeah, yeah. I was like, man, game. we're gonna see, a, we're gonna see a new, <laughs> a new Splinter Cell here. That's kind of cool. And then it was yeah. like, and the, they kind of had it spoiled that it wasn't gonna. No. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say like based off of like things that have been circling, like just some like subtle rumors that there is a Splinter Cell game in the works, but nothing official yet. I just could. I honestly, maybe this is just me, but I could care less when I'm watching those like Ubisoft forward things. I could care less about like going into the studio and meeting the character artists or level designers and stuff, and them talking about. Which is so so savage for me to say because those people put in a lot of work and time and it's nice to see them recognized on a big scale like that. And But for me, I'm just like, man, just show me the game. Tell me about the game. Tell me which studio published it and then let's move on to the next thing. But that to me was like a, a sign that they were lacking content in that way when they went into Ubisoft Toronto and interviewed the person about the level design of them making... I thought you said you didn't watch it. London. I watched, sorry, I watched like, I'm like a bit so of it. Okay, okay. I watched like 20 because minutes of it. very specific moment to not have watched and be able to recite all that back. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I was like, what? Okay. You guys impressed? Oh, so impressed. That a was a bit. good memory. They threw that girl talking about level design. It's like, this is the best part of the job. Yeah, this is, I got the best job because I get yeah. to make that come to life. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, I would love that if this was like a separate thing where it was like. See, that, that's where I would I would challenge your mindset, because I feel like if you were fully invested in a game, you would love to see that kind of back behind the scenes uh, part of 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 a developing the but developing I, of a game. Because I, like, it, when... Exactly. Exactly. You're right. 100 percent. And that's what, exactly what I'm saying when I say like if it was another thing. So like if I was going into a watchdog specific thing then yeah for sure tell me all about it tell me all the work you put in do all those sort of things like when i'm watching these sort of like e3 substitute programs i want to i want you to show me the leg like i want to see the leg i don't want to know all the intimate details of everything that went into making it but like i just want to see it like just show me it move on to the next one show me it move on to the next one but, but I think that's I, kind of the flaw in thinking with with what what to expect. Not not specifically with you, Shane, but I think a lot of gamers will probably echo the same thing. I think we have to get used to a world where we're not going to have um, as dense conferences, and we're going to see more sporadic releases in the way that Nintendo has done it, where you see one Nintendo Direct and it focuses on Smash Brothers and some of the intricacies of one specific game, and then you know a couple months later we might see something that announces 20 indie titles that are coming to the platform that we didn't know were coming just a couple of months ago, right? So I think the world that that we live in now with uh, with 
just the, I think the way that game companies are adapting and publishers are adapting is that expect less big, dense, um, announcement packed, like direct videos and more so like maybe one or two big announcements in every single one that we see. And then a lot more focus on things like developers. Cause I think the other thing about, about, uh, these that I actually enjoy is that they, they get you to, to take a look at maybe the culture of the studio a little bit. And, and just with how, I don't know, man, like gaming has such as like a, uh, it's almost like this black box of, 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 of not really knowing what happens with game studios. And then the flip side of that is also, you know, how, how toxic gamers and stuff like that can be online in terms of like, harassing game devs and stuff like that like i think if you if you personify studios a little bit more and you know give faces to the things that working on i think some of the intention there is to not actively promote attacking people that you know make a game that isn't something that you really agree with or like or 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 was expected and you start to maybe see the the effort that people are putting in maybe maybe i'm just like overanalyzing it but i do think that that's important to be able to highlight that there are people behind these games and that there are livelihoods behind these games. And despite whether you think it's a six or a 10, the point is, is that a lot of work and a lot of, of blood, sweat and tears go into making sure that these things even release to begin with. Right. So I see that I see a, a tremendous amount of value in it. And I also think that like, it's also a good sign of what to expect from Ubisoft, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, Square Enix. Like, I think this is the reality that we face now. I don't think we're going to have those E3 hour and a half show you 20 games um, and have six big announcements within a span of 15 minutes. I think it, it, it's going to be a lot more doled out and a little bit more intimate going forward. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but that seems to be the thing that's working for, for the industry right now. And I think it addresses a lot of the problems with, with what we've seen in the past. I think, y- yes, I like, I see where you're going with that. I agree with it. I think that is a good outlook on what this is going to but for me i'm still in the e3 phase like this should still be the substitute for what you would expect at e3 because this would be the plan besides when e3 got canceled you should be showing the content that you had right but now they've pivoted and ubisoft has been going through a ton of stuff being really dragged through the mud about how much of a toxic workplace it is and you know, a bunch of CEOs and executives, or not CEOs, but a bunch of executives stepped down because of the environment that they were creating. Harassment so I, and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm wondering if them showing, like, this person working in the studio and, like, you know, they were obviously a, a representation of minorities and riding a fixed gear bike and, like, rolling in this bike into the office and it's like, oh, you're really trying to paint a picture here in this moment to to really try and change subtly change the appearance that you've had through the media right now like that for me is is a little bit of of what i saw there nothing says wallace and emerson like a like a fixie yeah and uh and coffee shops, and coffee right? shops yeah 100 percent. like i but like I, I get it i i i understand what you mean i i do i am a fan of like the uh the like machine gun fire game trailer and then surprise like gameplay i love that but i've also been a fan of what's been rolling out so far with the summer of games like when studios are like hey we're we're gonna present on this day and we're gonna have this sort of stuff besides what microsoft said they're gonna have gameplay and they didn't have shit um but otherwise yeah i've been pretty stoked on it so i i can see that going forward for sure it's the first it's the first year too, right? Like yeah. I think like we've seen things shift a little bit in the last couple of years, but I think this is the full year this is the first year that like they're fully embracing the idea of digital um like digital announcements and like smaller, like bite-sized things that go on throughout the year. And I also think like to to Microsoft's credit, like they've done a pretty good job of doling out information over the course of a year and building hype pretty steadily. Like that that Xbox event is hyped and we've already seen the console and we already have a really good idea of what the services are going to look like on that console because they've been laying the groundwork. So I don't think there's a wrong approach to it. I think that, you know, like you, Shane, I think I really enjoy those big, um, like, like fantastical announcements where, you know, I think back to Sony's E3 conference a couple of years ago where they really just focused on four games and, and they had, you know, 
uh, Last of Us in this kind of like chapel like setting, like you can get pretty, you know, theatrical and cinematic with with those presentations. And that can be enjoyable sometimes. But I think that the reality that that I think game companies are really facing right now is just that they can get they can get the same results and interest from doing much less and without having to partake in E3. And I think a lot of people criticize Sony for not being at E3 this year. And as it turns out, look at all the companies that are not getting the opportunity to go to E3 under different circumstances. But I think it's really going to push them into the direction where they don't necessarily need um, a platform any longer to speak from. They can just set their own platform and set their own timelines. And that'll be overall, I think it'll be good, but it might take away a little bit of that, you know, that shock and awe that we get from an hour presentation every year. Um, but yeah, I, th I think it'll just take time to get used to. It's really our first year seeing see seeing a big adjustment from that, right? Well, didn't Microsoft announce that they're going to um, have it where you can play games for like a week on the service that you would have been able to play on the show floor if you were at E3? Didn't they? I didn't that? hear about that. That's pretty exciting, though. If that's I the think case. That, I thought yeah, that was a do. thing. They, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It's a thing. Yeah. See, that's the kind of stuff that, like, that's awesome. Like, there's going to be how many 60, times? 60 games playable as de demos during this, like, E3. It's like a week and a half of, like, yeah. yeah, you'll be able to play it. And then outside of that, you won't be able to play it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, that's awesome. I think, like, having an environment like that from home, like, the infrastructure is there. For Why sure. not? Like, oh, garner yeah. the interest of the people that can't afford to go to E3 or don't have the press accessibility to go. That's awesome. I can yeah. tell you from being at E3. It, it it sucks being on the show, <laughs> the show floor. It sucks. Like you wait hours in line to play a five minute demo. Like I waited like over two hours to see gameplay of Destiny, and then the game that came out was nothing like what I saw. I've ranted about it many times over the course of all the podcasts we've done. Yes, you have. But uh, oh my god, Destroy All Humans is coming back. I just read that on the demo. Anyways, yeah, it's out next week. Or two weeks from now. That's so lit. Destroy Humans was such a good game. Holy. It's a 39 bucks too. It's not going to be a full price game. They announced cool. it late last year, but I'm pretty excited for it as well. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, yeah. that's my point on that. Gabby, what do you think? In terms of what? I don't know. Anything. Life. General. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, like, I agree with what you guys are saying. So I think we covered a good ground of uh, video game news. Was there any other video game news that you guys wanted to bring up? Yeah, I just discovered they're coming out with a game called Skatebird. Skate and it's bird? a skate it's literally a bird on a skateboard and you grind on bendy straws, kickflip over staplers, and carve killer lines through cardboard and sticky tape parks. Above all else, skatebirds try their best. Nice. And that'll be in the demo week, which is July twenty first to the twenty seventh. Yeah. Yep. Garuvi. So lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Um the other, I mean, there's only a couple things that we really want to talk about still. So uh, the last thing being, we'll, we'll touch on this last, I guess, Last of Us Part Two. But uh, <laughs> you guys watched Palm String. You guys watched Palm Springs uh, this weekend. What did you think? Uh, I yeah, I watched it this weekend. I am wondering if we're getting the same Christmas cocktease effect with Palm Springs. I think Palm Springs was a good movie. Don't get me wrong. I think it was good. I think it was funny. For sure, I thought it was heartwarming and romantic, but like it's it's getting rave reviews like all across the board for sure, and <laughs> it's like for me, I don't know, like I didn't I don't see that as like a, a nine out of ten movie, and I love Andy Samberg, but for me it was like a little a little played out, but I thought it was it was a fresh take on it. I don't know. I'm. I. I probably just need to watch it again. To be honest with you, now you watched it and you you stopped midway to play Call of Duty and then watched the rest of it. But that's a hard way to watch a movie. In my but opinion. that's that's what I mean. Is like I was watching the movie, but like I wasn't like watching the movie. No, I was watching the movie when I was watching it. But I mean, it didn't like pull me in. It wasn't like something where I put off playing xbox with my friends to finish the movie i was like oh i'll just finish this after like it, it didn't it to me it seemed like an episode of a tv show versus like a, a movie i could see that part like the the it being a more tv show like than it did a movie yeah. i i i really enjoyed it and it from, i really from enjoyed my perspective it as well. yeah um 
I thought it was I thought it was probably one of the more um I don't know, I want to say unique Andy Samberg like performances. Like he didn't quite play as goofy, like really, really go for go mm-hmm. for it the way that he has in previous uh, movies. Like I was I watching Hot Rod a couple days ago and it was ridiculous, but <laughs> so good though. That movie's I great. love it, but it's just so fucking stupid. Like he does a whole <laughs> dance sequence in the woods where he's like drinking and kicking yeah, trees. And it's like an 80s, yeah. yeah, it's fucking stupid. But it's so good. You don't you get still some of that silliness out of him, but it's a little bit more of like a matured silliness. I don't really know how to describe it, but it was nice to see him, I guess, in a little bit of a different capacity than what we're used to. Yeah. I, 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 I share the same sentiment as you. Like I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, Carol, my wife also really enjoyed the movie. Wife. You got to put it in a, my wife plug in every podcast. Um, I do. I really need to. Um, yeah. Uh, I thought it was funny. I thought it was charming. Um, I was really into. I don't. I don't remember her name. Like the lead female in the movie. Like I was really into her, man. By the end of it, I ended up following her on Instagram. Hopefully, Kara doesn't want listen to this. <laughs> um, but she was really cool, and I just thought it was a real fresh take on the whole Groundhog Day effect, loop, infinite loop type thing. Groundhog and, Day. Yeah, like yeah. So, and it was nice seeing um jk simmons as well like his chemistry with Andy sandberg even from i love you man has always been so damn good so yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed it and i really loved the way it ended i was i was like is it what's gonna happen like i was just like like i was like really 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 into the whole thing man and it was i loved the way it ended with them just laying down on the on the water um not gonna I mean, so. did you did you finish it though did you did you see the during credits scene yeah yeah uh, the during credit scene was also super fucking awesome yeah really uh, cool it's... scene really really cool scene with uh i mean Simmons and Andy yeah Sandberg. um i missed I... that there was a there was a mid-credit scene yeah, yeah there is, dude. <laughs> oh shit okay i need to watch that yeah I don't like. I was really, I was like passing out as I was watching it, so I finished it and then I just kind of like turned it off as soon as it, I. It patches one of the plot like questions that you're gonna have. I I wouldn't say that it was like really really, <laughs> really <laughs> awesome like Gabby's saying. Like it was I thought definitely it was a really cool scene, dude. Okay, that's cool, man. Like I'm glad that you did. You're that's that's cool. Like I wish I had that same excitement. I'm I wish you it. did too, man. Yeah, I'm I'm so envious of it. I wish I had it, but. Uh, it definitely was was good. Like, don't get. I definitely recommend everybody watches it who listens to this. But I just think this whole year has been like so shit for movies and so great in every other form of media that like well, this this movie, if you were to stack it up independently against like twenty eighteen or twenty seventeen or twenty twenty nineteen, would we all think that it's still as amazing as it is? in comparison to everything else, but I don't know. I would like to think I would probably rate it. I think you would. I think, I think you watch movies differently than I do. Like I, I think that there's, it's different and not in a bad way. I just mean like you like Paul Blart, Mall Cop too. And I, not too. The first one. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's, 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 that's the record. (laughs) Fucking straight. And you also think, you also think Mighty Ducks 3 one. is the best Mighty Ducks. Just just want to oh give it some God. sort of uh, – you just have to give it that, that you know, understanding. But at the, same, at, the fine, same, at the same time, like, I watch terrible movies. Like, I go out of my way to watch B-movie cheese, like yeah. Velocal Preacher and Miami Connection, which I was texting Ortega was literally the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. And I watched the whole movie. It was just so bad. I do have a question for you guys. Yeah. So without giving away too much in terms of the plot of the movie, but whose perspective were you more in line with? What? Like between Andy Andy Samberg and, and his love interest. Like, were you more in line with... You know, I don't want to give away the plot of the movie. That's the thing, it's, right? It's hard to answer without that. Like, I would say I get where Andy Samberg was coming from, but, like, his love interest, because of what was going on, like, I totally understand, like, the, the absolute un, undying need to leave. Like, imagine every day waking up and... In that, yeah. Yeah, in that situation. It makes it makes sense. 
Yeah. Imagine if it was the day before the Xbox conference and you had to live it every single fucking day and you never got to see Halo, dude. It'd yeah, we awful. never got to see Halo get played. You're always one fucking day away from it. Yeah, but yeah. then if you find love and like, you know, what would you do? You know, like it, I think it would be quite interesting topic to talk about. I I just found it all very very cool. I was super into the movie, man. For sure, I, it, yeah. I think it was more like I think it was more cerebral than most of Andy Samberg's stuff. Like it did make you think about uh, the reason I enjoyed it is that yeah, you put yourself in those characters' shoes and you like. There's that scene with J.K. Simmons where they're just talking, yeah, and they're talking about like, yeah, yeah, backyard, they're just talking yeah. about their love perspectives. That scene, by the way. Yeah. yeah, love that, and scene. it just it's just really well done because it, it actually makes you think about like if I was like, these are real characters, like in all of Andy Samberg's stuff, he is basically a caricature of every character that he's played on, on Saturday night live, whether it be Brooklyn nine, nine, whether it be hot rod, whether it be a lot of the other stuff that he's in lonely Island. Um, but this is actually one of those roles where like, he gets to have some, some like self-reflective time and, and with a really, really great actor like JK Simmons, like it was awesome to see the two of them kind of contrast on screen. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, actually have some philosophical debate about, you know, the different perspectives that you can have on things. So I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, I know it wasn't pegged as like this big, uh, you know, serious movie or something that was really going to, you know, it, it's pegged as a comedy, right? But comedy sci-fi, but I, I think it Rom-com had some really interesting, sci-fi. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it had some really interesting, like just thoughtful moments about, you know, what would you do in this position? And I always like watching movies like that because, those are some of the ones that resonate with you most is like, if I was in that position, what would I have done? And then, yeah, you know, like debating kind sure. of the morality of it. Right. And that's, that was something I was asking Kara as we were watching and like near the end, like, Hey, like, what would you do? Like, what, like, would you choose what, what the, the girl wanted to do? Like, like I said, yeah. I don't want to give away too much or would you choose what Andy wanted to do in terms of just like being content and <laughs> I guess forever living in this loop, I get, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I would want, I think, I think I would want to for sure. This is a good would you rather for uh, would you rather part two. Hundred percent, one hundred percent. So yeah. let's let's park it for now, um, <laughs> and let's deal with another would you rather. Would you rather play as Abby or would you rather play as Ellie, Gabby? And this is where I check out. Is this spoiler? You cast? know the plot. You knew the plot this before. Is spoiler cast Gabby territory. Did. Like fuck it. Yeah. Okay, so let's. Let, I mean, let's preface. If you haven't had, if you haven't beaten Last of Us Part Two or reached the halfway point, as I just spoiled for you. Um, then please stop here. It's great. It's been a slice, all that stuff. If you want to stick around for the uh, for our, our spoilery thoughts on The Last of Us Part Two, featuring Gabby's recently beaten game, uh, stick around because we're going to talk about it all. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll give it like 10, 10 minutes or so. Yeah, but... we. I mean, if you're interested in actually hearing like full thoughts on it and just like a full on debate, um, we did have an episode of Survive and Endure, like a bonus episode featuring which uh, I listened myself. to, by the way. I listened to the bonus episode. Okay. Um, I'd like to know your thoughts on that too, to see kind of who you agree and who you align with. But what are your thoughts without referencing any of our stuff? How did you feel? What did you enjoy about the game? What did you dislike? What are your thoughts? What's your lingering feeling right now? (laughs) Um, Overall, I would say I enjoyed the game. I thought it was really good. Um. I had some issues with it in terms of pacing and I know we've shared this um, with each other and you had agreed with me in terms of the whole, you're in this moment where you spent like three days worth of time in Seattle, I guess 15 hours or so, depending on how you played the game could be up to 20 hours playing as Ellie. And then you get to a point where you're like, what the fuck is happening? Right? <laughs> yeah. And you, you head back to the theater where your base is in, in Seattle and fucking Abby comes out of nowhere, shoots your homie in the face, and then has Tommy on the floor about to shoot him too. And then literally just like it just stops. And you're like, huh? And then... <laughs> You play as Abby, and it's like Seattle day one, and you're like, wait, what just happened? Like, you literally thought the game was going to end, or something was going to happen, and you're playing as Abby, and you're seeing her perspective from, I guess, counterpart of Ellie from the days leading up to the events where 
they eventually meet up in the theater. Um, so that was a pretty big setback for me. I had to stop playing at that point. I was like, okay, cool. Let's reset. I was tired. I'm like fucking tired. And like, I just had no idea what the hell just happened. I'm like, it just felt like you were playing the game all over again. So I didn't really know. I don't know. Like I get why they did it. And I guess that's a whole different discussion on why they did it. But that was my biggest issue. I would say with it alongside playing as I continue to play as Abby, I, I guess I did start to like her more, but still not really that much. Um, I found some issues with her relationship with uh, the the Seraphites that she meets in terms of uh, Yara and and Lev. Uh, Lev. Thank you. Um, and then I'll, I guess ultimately leading to her not being a wolf anymore call it a betrayal if you want i I don't know i i think she that's a flat out her just like giving up on everything that she's known or been with in terms of leading up to these um i guess her betrayal yeah like imagine ellie or whoever just like dipping because of something like i like i i don't i didn't find it too believable in terms of why she would do it, to be honest, so I found an issue in that with that. I didn't really, I didn't really care too much for Lev and Yara, as well. Like I, like I just mentioned, but I did like, I did like the Santa Barbara part. Like I guess, like just to skip ahead, when you finally meet up uh, with her there. Now I'm just like all over the place, but. I wish they, if they had known that. Oh, well, I wish that because they knew the end game was in Santa Barbara. I wish there was more time there. I don't know how I feel. I still don't know how I feel about. I guess both interactions with Ellie and and uh, and uh, Abby both coming to the same conclusion where they both just part ways two times. Technically three times. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know if you, if you have any other questions for me, but overall the game I mean, was really, really cool. Um, other than some things that I had, I guess, have to come to peace with. So, I mean, there's some brief stuff that I, like, I, I've been thinking about since beating it, like, since even doing the podcast, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Like, my, my big thing, so, I feel... That there's a little bit of overcompensation for Abby's like, uh, like arc, and what I mean by that, Paul and I actually talked about this quite a bit, is that you know, Abby got ripped on like in such a significant way from reviewers, from people that hadn't played the game, that you know, vilified her because she killed Joel, yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed her. I, I like. I'm not going to say that I didn't enjoy playing as her. I actually. I don't even think I mentioned this on the podcast, but uh, on, on Survive and Endure, I preferred playing as Abby throughout the course of the game. Like I thought she controlled uh, more like what I would play like in that in those circumstances. I think, you know, the, it almost felt like she was slower at parts. I, I'd have to double check to see if that was an intentional thing or whether that's definitely stronger. She's definitely stronger, like the way that she interacted with some of the infected and, you know, being able to like push certain uh, scenarios in, in certain scenarios and not feeling as frail as Ellie where Ellie felt very stealthy and that you had to rely on, on, you know, grass and, and being quiet and, and your bow and arrow and stuff like that. I preferred her weapon set. Um, I thought the incendiary ammo from the shotgun is probably one of my favorite things in the game. Um, and then I thought the crossbow was really cool too. So there's actually elements of, of Abby that I think per- surpassed gameplay uh, for me uh, with Ellie. However, I will say from Abby's, arc like story arc i mean i did enjoy the seraphite uh arc like with 11 yara i do feel that nobody was really fleshed out on abby's side i think owen is probably one of the more interesting characters in the game but outside of owen like there's really not a lot of depth to a lot of the characters that you're that you're learning about um Mm -hmm. on abby's side of the story so yes i liked manny 
Um, although I never got over the fact that, you know, he spits on Joel and calls him a pendejo at the beginning of the game. <laughs> so like there's things like that, that like you, I don't think there's coming back for him, but I do think what it did well, if, if you're not overcompensating for that, for the hate that Abby got, cause there's people on podcasts that I've been listening to that are like, I love Abby, like to the same degree as I love Ellie. And I really didn't want to see them. I'm like, okay, for me, that definitely never was something that crossed my mind. I am definitely in, in Ellie's corner. And ultimately the only reason I didn't want her to kill Abby at the end is because it was a line that Ellie would cross and it would change my viewpoint on that character. If that wasn't a consequence, I would have absolutely wanted Abby dead. Um, so like, those are the kind of things where I think it's too far in the other direction with some people is like, Oh, you know, this character got so much hate. So we're going to compensate and say that we really, really loved her a lot more. But I do think objectively speaking, like a lot of the characters on, on Abby's side are not fleshed out as much as, as, as they could have been. Mind you, I don't think that that's also that important because it's ultimately Abby's story and you don't really need to understand every character. Um, and I think the strongest characters that came from Abby's side, um, were fleshed out and were done so really, really well. I think about Owen, I think about even just kind of the way that they build up Isaac um, in some ways, even though he doesn't really get a lot of character development. I think that, you know, he's this looming, looming, ominous, kind of scary dude that you don't want to cross. And I think the game does uh, does a good job of portraying that without really having to spend a lot of time with him. Mm-hmm. But then I think be. about characters at, like Lev, Yara. Yes, their their arc is unique in a way where, you know, it's a situation in... in, in this post-apocalyptic world that's pretty unique that we haven't seen before. But at the same time, you don't really learn a lot about them. Um, you know, and, and obviously Yara dies and, and, and their, their mom dies at another scene. And, um, there's a lot of like death and in a very quick sequence of events. And Mm -hmm. then the other person that really, really bothered me on Abby's side is Mel. Like she's, she's literally a cardboard character who doesn't have a lot of depth. And I don't think, really is developed in any significant way and whether that's because you know she's a little bit of 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 a of a non-abby fan and she calls abby a piece of shit and owen's priorities are all over the place which obviously make felt make mel seem a certain way i really did feel like mel was just meant to be the antithesis of what dina was um you know pregnant character pregnant character abby shows remorse by not killing dina therefore you know, we're going to have a pregnant character on the other side of the spectrum just so that we can show that Ellie's willing to go further. So it felt a little bit like that. Um, so a lot of thoughts that I like kind of have been formulating over the course of the last month since I beat the game. So overall, like I still think the game is a 10 out of 10 just because it tells a story that I don't think many other games would tell. But there are things even in talking to you, Gabby, that I definitely, you know, I marinated and, and, and thought about them a little bit more. And there's there's some stuff in there that that definitely doesn't scream as like perfect. Um, and I think that that's kind of a distinction to make, even though a game I can consider it to be a 10 out of 10 or a 9.5 out of 10 or whatever. I still think that that's more indicative of the experience that you get out of the game rather than, you know, that, that it's sheer perfection, that there's really nothing wrong with it. Cause there are, there are quite a few things wrong with the game in my opinion, but it just doesn't take away from the positive. Yeah. I mean, I can respect that for sure. But like, just like even going back to, to Abby real quick, like she, for some reason, I get that they saved her life, but like if she has these issues that she's trying to get over with with Owen, and then she just dips and like you know it just I don't know it was just weird a little bit but yeah. One of the coolest things, and we'll kind of leave on this note. One of the coolest things that I read about was just. The game did a really good job of just providing an alternate perspective. If nothing else, it's just, hey, on the other side of, of, of you know, vengeance and, 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 and violence and, you know, in a different universe, these are characters that have their own lives too and they're not faceless, um, you know, faceless, personality-less people in the way that a lot of games really tell you that, you know, NPC characters are. I think it did a good job of giving you an alternative perspective. And I think one of the coolest things I saw was there's a YouTube video that talked about how if The Last of Us Part 1 was a game about a, a collection of people and a doctor who were looking for a cure for something that had killed humanity. Um, and, you know, at the end of this game, you find out that the person that is a cure is actually still alive and that you could save them by doing surgery on them. And then you know, assuming that you're playing as Abby, that person then kills the doctor that could make a difference and potentially cure humanity, your your perspective is much different, right? All of a sudden, you probably hate Joel. 
um, and you probably don't like the, the the protagonists on the other side. And that's what this game did well, as I think it just, you know, if, if you have the, the capacity to think about it critically, I think it, it, it challenges that the game is not simple and it's not hero versus villain. It's, you know, two sides, two different perspectives, and there really is a lot of gray area in this game. There's not a lot of black and white. And I think the people that probably don't enjoy it as much or people that expected black and white you know there's a villain in this game it's abby you have to kill her versus you know really challenging the the, the conventions about what was thought about ellie going into this game which is you know that she's pure she's sweet um and this game kind of oh, takes away far a from bit sweet of that. <laughs> yeah she's she's grown up she fucks some people up really really badly so yeah um uh, yeah anyways uh if you want more thoughts on it gabby we can we can have you know another podcast if you'd like and talk all about last of us part two or you can join us if we ever do a season two of uh, surviving endure but if you want to hear a little bit more about our collective thoughts not not gabby's but just kind of our collective <laughs> thoughts i think pretty reflective um you can check out surviving endure which we published at the end of last week so um we'd love to hear your feedback and anybody's thoughts on that if, if you uh, if you do get a chance to listen mm-hmm. that's pretty much it that's all we had this week right yeah, so, I think so. That's it. That's it, cool. baby. That's it. Um, okay, so Comic-Con, Bottlenecks Comic-Con, Mondo's Comic-Con next week, and then, you know, we've got Xbox on the way. There's some rumors about PlayStation 5 pre-orders going up today, which didn't come to fruition, unfortunately. But oh, yeah, I heard hopefully, right. hopefully, hopefully, hopefully soon we will get some some pricing and some release date information. But um, I think the consensus is mid-November, late November, as, as we as we anticipated. So if we hear anything, you'll hear about it first. Sounds great. Cool. Thanks, Daniel. Dudes, have a good week. Baseball's yeah. back this week. Enjoy it. If you do get a chance to watch, um, hit some dingers, not hit some dingers. Throw some yeah. Balls. Yeah. All right, dudes. <laughs> All right. Yo. Peace out, homies. Thanks Bye for everybody. Listening. Bye.